0: coin now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
1: And I'm Trent Condon. Iowa State sophomore guard Tyrese Halliburton has been named a finalist to make USA Basketball's under-19 World Cup team. Halliburton is one of 18 players to make the cut before the 12-member team will be announced June 24th. Iowa football has picked up another commitment for the 2020 class as Florida quarterback Keelan Gully makes his verbal Pledge to the Hawks. Gully joins teammate Clavon Matthews on the Iowa commitment list, for coached by former guy Marcus Paschal. Craig Kimbrell made his debut yesterday for the Iowa Cubs. That's a slider swung on him, missed. He struck him out. to so a 1 2 3, seventh inning for Kimbrell. The call from the Sacramento River Cats radio as the I Cubs win 7 4. Two Major League Baseball tied up in the ninth inning in the Crosstown Classic with the White Sox and the Cubs. And Aloy Jimenez to the plate. Jimenez, in the air, left field,
2: he's your hero tonight! Welcome to Wrigley!
1: He cracked the bat on that swing and still drove it out of the park, the bat shattered in his hands. The call from Jason Benetti on WGN as the White Sox win it 3-1. Late last night, the Royals were in Seattle to face the Mariners and whip Merrifield has himself a game.
2: And that is belted to left field and gone.
1: So Merrifield on an inside pitch, hits a three-run home run. The call from Fox Sports Kansas City. Merrifield, two homers in the game and six RBI. As the Royals win it, 9-0. Even later last night, it went 17 innings. Max Kepler coming up big three different times. Driven to right, a piece hit. Garber around third. He's got a score. Kepler delivers, and we're
2: tied at two. A drive to right field. We are tied. Fair ball down the
1: line. Kepler does it. A walk-off winner in 17 innings. The calls from Dick Bremer on Fox Sports North as Kepler tied it in the eighth inning with the single, in the 13th with the homer, and the walk-off winner in the 17th. Stay up to date at KXNO.com and all day right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
0: Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios. You'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, right, good morning everybody and
2: welcome in. It's a Wednesday, Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO and with you for the next couple of hours. Glad you're with us. Hope you can stay with us. If you can't, if there's something you want to or you missed, perhaps it's David Kaplan who's going to join us about 11.20 here today. We will recap uh the White Sox dramatic win last night in the ninth inning of all guys, Jimenez finds the bleachers. What a moment for that young man. Uh, so Cappy coming up at 1120. But as we said, if you miss a portion of it, you can always go to the uh, podcast page and find the, uh, what you're looking for at KXNO.com. By the way, you can also find information on Hackfest, which is Quickly approaching Friday, July the 19th. Copper Creek is the site for that. There are still some uh, space available in the annual Hackfest tournament. Always a big hit, and it will sell out. Uh, it's coming up on July the 19th, Friday at Copper Creek. Three of the four local shows will be there. Trent and I will be in Chicago uh, covering Big Ten media days, and certainly looking forward to that. Uh, disappointed won't be at the Hackfest, Trent, but... Can't be two places at once. Uh, lots of ground to cover. We'll do the uh, the White Sox and the Cubs from last night. The Twins go to seventeen innings before they dispatch the White Sox in the wee hours. The White Sox, the Red Sox, in the wee hours of the morning, tell you how seriously they take their baseball in Denver suburbs. Seven-year-old baseball, nothing means more uh, in Lakewood, Colorado, than the seven-year-olds. And if the thirteen-year-old umpire is not giving your seven-year-old a fair shake, it's going to be on. And it was last night as fifteen to twenty the adults came out of the stands and threw down. What a disgrace.
1: Oh, what a night lots to get into. Good uh, morning to you Ken and well, let's start right there as I was watching the video again here this morning. Sickening. No Absolutely words, sickening. If you haven't seen it just Google Little League Fight I'm sure it'll pop right up, yep. and you'll see it right away. Our Lakewood Police on Twitter, they've got the, all the good vi- all the good video.
2: and Not good video, all the video. So let me take that back. All yeah. the video. It's not good video.
1: It's a sign of the times, but... It's sad. It, is it really? I mean, ha- these things, uh, back in the 80s, not fights like this, yeah, but...
2: Some in the 60s and hockey games, sadly. Yeah. It's been going on forever. Now we just get, you know, everybody's got a phone.
1: And everybody wants to head this direction that it is... Oh boy, how different things are. This has been going no, on for a, absolutely. This has been going on for a long time. We've yep. had psychopath parents for a yep. long time. Yep. And the the hockey fight speaking of hockey as you mentioned, wasn't there a death between a couple yes, of hockey Yes, there dads? was. That's a great I forgot all about that. Sadly, you're right. These things have been going on mm-hmm. for a long time. So, don't try to politicize it. That's not what this is. This is just what sports have become. Mm-hmm. What sports are in general and people going too far. A 13-year-old umpire
2: Yeah, that's, that, that's another aspect of it, Trent. I mean, this poor kid, you know, he's, he's, he's the brunt of it. Um,
1: Inciting a brawl?
2: And these seven-year-old kids, too. I mean, seven-year-old for crying out loud. They don't even know the rules of the game. They're out there to have fun. They're learning a sport and dad's brawling with some other parent on the other team. I don't know who caused it. Obviously, we know what was, um, uh, the focal point of it was a 13-year-old umpire. I guess the mystical of all things in these seven year olds, because as you know well, you well know, yeah, eight, eight years old is your draft year. <laughs> right. Yes. You're right. You're, if, you're, gonna, if you don't have it by then, you're just not going. No? It's probably you're at the at age of eight, if you haven't, if you're not drafted by Major League Baseball, at that point, you've got to decide which college offer you're going to take. I mean, come on, folks. And again, and you pointed out, I'm glad you did. This isn't new. Mm. This isn't new. This has been going on since I can remember. And I'm 60. Um, and it's it's not going to end after this. Well, you know, maybe, you know what? When people get called out like this on social media, might this be, might this be something that not stems it or not makes it go away, but maybe curtails it a little bit? Just because you know, again, back in the '60s, '70s, '80s, '90s, this stuff happens. It's it's committed to memory, but it's your word again. Now we've got video on everybody's phone.
1: Maybe video and having this. Might? Might? It's a nice thought. It's not going to happen? You don't I don't think, think it's going to happen. So? There is something that happens when you're watching your youngster do mm-hmm. pretty much anything. It takes people to a crazy level. And if people already tick a little bit that way, they already have a little more aggression, whatever it may be, these kind of things are going to happen. Unfortunately, I don't think this is going to curtail it. I don't think it's going to slow it down. I think these stories will continue to be out there, and we'll see that. Probably not many at this kind of level. But if you're in, if you're doing this and you notice somebody,
2: I mean, I don't know, you catch somebody out of the corner of your eye and they've got their, their cell phone held up and they're, they're filming this whole thing. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm naive. Maybe this, this won't, um, help at least minimize this. It's not going to go away. It's not going to go away, but you know, um, these these adults, please. Yes. This is why. This is why. A kids kids don't want to play sports. Mm-hmm. Coaches don't want to coach your kid playing sports. Umpires or officials at any league don't want to be involved in this. And that is getting now to a crisis.
1: It level. is, and at, it should. And this is the reason why, or one of the main reasons. We're talking about a thirteen year old kid that's probably making twenty bucks a game out there, umpiring, trying to do his best. I used. I've told you before. I umpired for a number of years during college, and. I remember one time I really thought I was going to get beat. I was going to get jumped by 12 slow-pitch softball players after a game. Oh, the players? Game. Yes, after a game, along with their quote-unquote manager. A slow-pitch softball team doesn't need a freaking manager. But mm-hmm. here comes this burly man after me. I'm 22 years old. I'm just out there. I don't give a crap who wins a game between Kroll Ready Mix and Bills Bar, but here <laughs> these guys come. I'm just out there trying to make a couple of who bucks. Who did win
2: the game, by the way? I had
1: Bills. He had Bills. Yeah. Bills minus one and a half. You took him out the run line. If these kind of things. Do th- you think this thirteen-year-old really was trying to take no, it to? Of course not. He's learning. Mike's car wash. How many? How, how many games does a thirteen-year-old
2: umpire? This is probably. it could be very well. Could be his first year of. Yeah. You know, he's going to get into officiating. Mm-hmm. Oh, just so sad. So so. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's Going to be a big talker today. I'm assuming all across the country. Whether this is. Uh, an impetus for maybe who knows? Yeah. What what direction I think can probably you go? You're right. You know. I'd, well we'll see we'll see maybe some good can come out of this as far as these people uh embarrassing shaming some of the adults that were involved in this thing and and not just men there was women out there i'm not Mm -hmm. sure the women were throwing down but they were and maybe they were you know in a uh, trying to break it up um but um anyways you know we've seen we've seen women fighting at Mm -hmm. at sporting events many times uh men as well anyways let's move on uh really dramatic uh, last night in the uh, in the cubs white Sox game this white Sox team trent Mm -hmm. if you're a white Sox fan um the rebuild, you opened wide, you swallowed hard, you took your medicine, but now here it comes. Right? You're you're starting to be able to see the uh, the the work that's been done and the and the way your team is going to come together or starting to come together. Anyways, they got some really good parts. Jimenez last night in the, in the ninth inning. Trent, I got to be honest with you, um, don't have a rooting interest in the game last night, but. It was a really good moment. I found yeah. myself, you know, uh, cheering for this kid as he as he rounds the bases. What a moment for him! He wanted to be a Cub in the worst way. I uh, couldn't understand why he was traded. That came out yesterday on media. Um it, it, Great moment for him. Great moment for the uh, for the White Sox as they take care of the North Siders, At least in Game One. Now, Giolito Lester tonight uh, will entertain us, weather permitting. Hopefully, they get it in.
1: You know, him and I is a very interesting player. Top five prospect across baseball the last couple of years was. I think he was in the top 10 when he was traded from the uh, Cubs to the White Sox. For big, Jose Quintana. Yes. Big dude, six four. Looks yep. like he'll probably fill in a little bit more. He's listed at 205. He's bigger than 205, though. Yeah, looks looks does. Is He's out. He's listed at yeah, yeah, this one. He, he certainly appears to be bigger than that, and I think a whole lot more room to grow. And with that, when we uh, taped our piece with David Kaplan earlier this morning, I asked for a comp, and I think... I think White Sox fans are going to like the comp that he came up with. Yes, there.
2: indeed. I don't know if I can go there yet, but this, because <laughs> this one, the the comp is in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, on one hand, I understand where he came from with that one, but we're going to make you wait for an hour and, oh, 15 minutes or so until Cappy gets that comparison. Again, if you're new to the show, uh we have Cappy every Wednesday, for the most part on Wednesday, although next week we're going to bump into Thursday. But David Kaplan joins us, brought to us by Centurion Stone, and he is on the air right now at ESPN 1000 in Chicago. So we take Cappy, on Wednesdays at 8.35.
1: So Jimenez is a guy, you can still see there's a hole. I mean, he strikes out a lot. Didn't yeah. happen. He was always young for mm-hmm. his age. Single age, double age, triple, all right. the way through. Always young for his age. They spot last night in the first inning and ground yeah. into a double play. I mean, that's going to happen. It's but. going to happen, but the power is real. He hit though for a really high average all throughout minor league baseball too. So if you're maybe looking at this guy to be a 255 hitter with 35 bombs, that kind of player, mm-hmm. I think there's more there. I yeah. think he's going to hit for a higher average than that. But the home run number, I don't think, is uh, out of this uh, uh, without the realm possibility. You know, White Sox right now are playing without Yuan Moncada, who mm-hmm. kind of burst onto the scene. He's been dealing with the back injury. And you see when just the oddity there, him trying to lay down the bunts and the, dealing with the back injury, he re-aggravated it on Sunday yeah, after not playing I, for four days. What he was doing last night is beyond me. It's... Don't you You just shut him down. You're not totally going agree anywhere. You. This is your future. Yep. These are the building blocks. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely no need to try to squeeze anything out of the juice here. Put him on the IL. Get him 10, 15, 20 days, whatever, whatever it, it takes, takes
2: right? They're not going to the playoffs no, this year. No. No, it's And backs backs can linger as yes. look at the Fred Couples. Look at I mean backs with a lot of athletes, mm-hmm. very serious. And, and if that's the case here with Monca, yeah, I was I was shocked that he came into the game when yeah. he did.
1: Shocked. It was a double switch. I mm-hmm. "Quote unquote." You had to do it. You seventh inning or six, sixth, sixth or seventh. One of those innings, yeah. anyways. You find a way. You just find a way, whatever it is, and if that means your your catchers, backup catchers, out there playing third base, so be it. You don't put him in mm. uh, don't put uh, Moncada in that spot. But building blocks are bright. There's still a lot more to come in this White Sox team. They're still highly ranked as an organization, top to bottom of what they still have coming. This is the team going forward that I think is going to be making noise. And how much of a bump does that get? You know, I, I've always joked about the six White Sox people, you know, in Des Moines. I've run into more, though. I, I've Well, seen we work more with two of them. Well, that helps. That that certainly does help. Sean Roberts yeah, and Emery Songer. Songer, who uh, Emery will be in for you tomorrow. Right. Looking forward to that. Absolutely. But the, uh, do they get any kind of bump? Do the people come out of the woodwork? Are we going to see more? <laughs> If this White Sox there were a lot of there were a lot of
2: White Sox fans at Wrigley Field last night. Yes, I mean when when Jimenez went deep in the ninth inning, there was a noticeable cheer of White Sox fans. And following the final out of the baseball game, too. Look, they're a game below five hundred. They are, I think, uh, are they right on schedule? Maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. Most people thought that, you know, this is get through this year, Mm -hmm. get through this year. Then you're going to see what we've been trying to do here. And then a couple years, we're going to be. Ready to ready to contend in the AL Central. I think they're probably maybe a little bit ahead of schedule right now. Here's the thing What if they all finished the Cleveland Indians?
1: Very well could happen.
2: And I don't think that's crazy, Trent.
1: The Indians very well could be big sellers mm-hmm. here. They tried to move some of those starting pitchers in the offseason, didn't get the deals that they wanted. Blueber now is on the IL till no. August, no. maybe September, but if they can move him, they're certainly going to try to do that. They got a couple of nice pieces, but you look at the Indians roster, it, one through seven, it's great. Eight through 25, it's all. Yeah, no, fair point. And because they seem like
2: that, a long way removed from the 2016 yes. World Series.
1: Absolutely. So because of that, you have to figure their pieces are going to be moving. Mm-hmm. The Royals are. And then
2: Francona, too. That's the other equation. Does yeah. he want to go through if indeed Cleveland a is going to? Yeah, yeah. There might be a big-name manager hit the market.
1: I mean, the Royals, seriously, are they six, seven years away from being a playoff team again? Is that the kind of rebuild you have four, to go five, through? Four five, probably? Maybe yeah. six, seven seems like a little bit... I think four or five... Team's best case scenario. Well, look, the team I root
2: for is going through the same yes. thing. There's a lot of teams going through it it's right now. It's not fun what it's going on. No, it's not. But if you're the White Sox fan, you you're start the, to see it. You're starting to see what they've been trying to do. Look, the, the Cubs a perfect example of it. Mm-hmm. You know, when they, when they gutted it and tried to start rebuilding it and drafted exceptionally well and brought those young guys. Now they're going to pay the piper as we talked yesterday. And at the end of the 21 season, mm-hmm. when Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and Schwarber all become free agents at the same time, good luck with those decisions, but. But look, it you're going to have that you'll you'll never be able to take the 2016 year away from you. 17, 18, 19 have been fun to be a Cubs fan as well, and I anticipate that's going to be the case for the next couple of years.
1: One of my favorites in the Athletic, uh, John Greenberg, in his column from last night's game in the 100 level concourse after the game, White Sox chance. And the strong smell of weed filled the air. (laughs) And it's gonna,
2: it's gonna be a a stronger scent of weed because January 1st, the green light goes up in the state of Illinois. How about Illinois? Yeah. Marijuana and sports all in the same legislative, legislative session.
1: They might become uh, God's country over there. They got things right.
2: Absolutely. I know I'm gonna be making a few trips (laughs) east. Um. It'll get here eventually. Yeah. I never thought it would be. I'm talking about weed. Sports, we know is going to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got we got Cappy coming up. We'll uh, we'll we look forward to that conversation at about eleven twenty. Zubin Mahante here in about ten minutes. All right, here's where you and I are going to disagree. Okay, uh, and it had to do with your twins last night. And I know you stayed up to the bitter end. I, I give did. you all the credit in the world for doing that. And I know for a fact you did because I checked on Twitter and right after the game it matches up. You did not tape it. Get up early in the morning and try yeah. to make me believe you stayed up. You did. How many people were in the at at the ballpark last night when it ended? I mean, I'm not saying I'm not expecting you to say 3,560, right? But you know what I mean? Because more it was, than I anticipated, was more there? than I
1: expected, I would still say there was probably maybe still 5,000. Was in the there? Stands? That's yeah. not bad. That's more than I would have thought because it was what five minutes before the hour, one o'clock. It was. Yes. Well, let me look at my tweet here. Let's see what time I 12:56 I tweeted it. So yeah, probably 12:55 it went over. Crazy. They got it done. How many? How many people reacted to you at twelve fifty six? So there were other, other,
2: your followers, other Twins fans that were still paying attention. Well, there was fourteen likes total. And you don't know what time they came in, though.
1: Five of them, though, happened before I finally closed my eyes at about one fifteen. Wow! So there were people. There were twins people fans. up. Yeah, I was texting with a couple of Twins friends of mine, and, and we were mm-hmm. going back and forth. It, it was. Those are the kind of nights that happen rarely. Mm -hmm. Once, maybe twice a season, you're going to get a game like this. Over
2: 15 innings, yeah. Yeah,
1: you're going to hope that it's not one of those games that are on the West Coast for us here in the Midwest. And and they've
2: got to travel afterwards, and they've got a night game in there. Yeah, really.
1: You want to hope that's the case. I mean, it was almost 1 a.m. It would be almost 3 a.m. if this was Mm -hmm. a 9 o'clock start for us, so that probably wouldn't have happened. But it was fun, the back and forth after they give up the uh, run in the thirteenth inning. Kepler first batter up. Mm-hmm. He comes up, hits the blast, ties it back. He at wasn't three. supposed to play last. Night. No, he came in for Marwin I Gonzalez as a pinch hitter. Yeah, uh, it's a good thing. <laughs> yes, put up three for five. And uh-huh. He still got five hit bats as a guy that came and in that's towards the He had the five
2: end of, at bats. Yes, and he had the final at bat of the baseball game. So here's me. Here's my. Here's my wish. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, why not? Why not? And there's no guarantee it's going to end after 12 innings if you put a runner on second base to start an Mm -hmm. inning. And there's no guarantee that the Twins would have lost the game. We don't know if that win or lost. I think it would even out, but it would help bullpens uh In a big way, you would save a ton of arms. By that point, you're on fumes. Everybody's on fumes. Although, you know what? Rocco Bell Dolly, after the game last night, said he can't remember. And I'm paraphrasing. As exciting of a game that he's been in a long time. He played. He coached. And now he's managing. He's a he's a baseball guy. He had no problem with it. It's just you know the the, the concessions are all closed. There's no way in hell uh 20 percent of the paid attendance is going to be in the building that long. Would it really diminish? the fun that that game produced by by putting a runner on second base at,
1: after 12? Yeah, it would. You think it would? It tricks it up too much for me. I, I am not exactly a baseball purist, but this is one that I separate from And I'm not saying
2: to do this in the playoffs.
1: Oh, right. This right. is a regular season. There's 162 of them. And because of that, there's 162. But like I said, this happens once a month. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen this. This is the third time this year a, a baseball game has gone past 15 innings, 15 innings or more, mm-hmm. once a month. We to so handle these type of things. And teams, hey, they got triple-A and double-A and mm-hmm. single-A. They can pull guys up. You can activate guys. You can go that direction. And because of that, maybe if a rule was in place like that, after a 13-plus inning game, you're able for two days to carry an extra pitcher. I could get on board with that. But to trick up the game, to start a runner at second base to begin the inning, doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. I... I
3: it's too they, much, and I, I
1: enjoyed it last night. I had fun with it last night, and I think some of that fun would go away. Yeah, it, it probably
2: would. Um, I, I I guess I don't know. See here, here's my take. You, you you give it's it's before you put a runner on second base, you go through the order, right? So you're going to have three innings added on. So let's say it's you know they go in order three times. Everybody's going to get an opportunity, right? So to start the thirteenth inning, at the top of the thirteenth, the visiting team puts a runner on second. Sometimes you're going to score. Sometimes the other team is going to tie it up. You're going to go to 14 and you're going to do it again. I don't know. When, when, when the NHL went to three on three in the beginning, I didn't like it. I was good with ties. I saw the difference. The changes Major League is Baseball has made in the wild card. The first, I didn't like it because I'm old school. Uh, college football, uh, they take away the special teams aspect of the game, but I think universally we love the fact that college football does it and the NFL should probably tweak their rules to go to college. That's certainly a big talker out there. I, um, I, I get the change is hard, but I think after a while, I think that everybody would come to appreciate that it's the right thing to do for the game as far as the play. And honestly, I'm surprised the Players Association hasn't had a say as far as saving some of the wear and tear on arms and the, I mean, the one o'clock in the morning. Can you imagine if they had a 1205 first pitch today? Yes. Yeah. Right?
1: That would be certainly much different. I think we'd already see a couple of names, both for the the Sox and the Twins. And that's that and, that, and that's
2: you know hoping that you know you you can get a guy from your AAA affiliate mm-hmm. to the ballpark in time to you know for a for a day game. I Cubs are out on the West Coast. Could they be? I guess you probably could, but you know the player's going to have to get up at three o'clock in the morning, the the AAA guy, and get on jump on an airplane and get to Chicago, and to Wrigley Field or to Guaranteed Rate. Um, I don't know. I I don't. I, I think it's time that it's seriously looked at anyways.
1: I just don't think it's a big enough impact. It's a, a big enough part of the game that you have to worry about that to put these in order. Have fun with these games. Enjoy these games for what they are. Zach Littell who had been frankly awful. Mm-hmm. guy that uh, the Twins got in the deal, Oh, who was it for, with the Yankees a couple years back regardless. And hadn't been very good. He goes out there at the end of it, kind of the last guy that they were going to go to. He has not two innings including 1-2-3-17th and then they get it done right afterwards. You get. There was a runner. I think it was in the sixteenth. Maybe it was the fifteenth. I can't remember. Did you have a? Did you have a? Uh, all right, one more. I, I can't take this anymore. If this gets to the eighteenth nope. inning, I'm out. Nope. you were in for the whole. I was in. I, if that one 24 went, innings, I would have been in. I was invested. I was enjoying it. I had a smile on my face. You wouldn't have been okay. Put a runner on second base. I'm getting tired. Oh, Let's see if we can end this thing. No, I, it's it's not about me. The players afterwards. I mean, the the smile on. Max Kepler's face yeah, afterwards. Yeah. As Kyle Gibson went out, tried to throw water at him and got Marty Gellner almost in the leg with the bucket of water <laughs> as he was trying to run up behind him. It was just those things are fun. It's so rare, Ken. Don't take away the joy. Don't take away the fun just because you need to go to bed. No, I did go to bed. I stayed until the
2: eleventh inning and I was done. Anyways, we'll take a timeout, Zubin. Mahente will join the program next. Lots of sports conversation. We when we have Zubin, we're we're everywhere with him, and he's always prepared to go whichever direction we want to do. It's hard to stump Zubin. If they uh don't just, if they decide to uh not bring the Schwab back, uh Zubin would be a guy that uh he would be my candidate. He is he is so up to it on uh virtually everything. We'll talk to Zubin next. Uh Tom Caker. How about the Hawkeyes? Good for them. I or, mean the it,
1: commits in the last week. That's
2: that's awesome. I mean coaches and now players yesterday, you gotta you gotta feed the beast. And the beast mm-hmm. is it's not the media, the media is the conduit. Uh, and good for Iowa, of all schools. If, we, yes. if one school was going to do this, you told me five years ago, 2019 in June,
1: coaches and players are going to be available in football, well, good for Iowa State. They, they get it up there. Um Nate but, Stanley throwing passes to yes. Oliver Martin and everybody clicking crazy? on that article. It's and great. Reading the tweet. Absolutely. People are pumped up. Now, having said that... Maybe I realize
2: realizes that the attendance at Kinnick Stadium is not when it once was, and maybe we need to do more. We just can't build this wall around Fort Kinnick and expect people to show up. Maybe we need to get with the times or even go further than that and uh, provide access to our coaches and players and, and uh, get the f- uh, fan base more enthusiastic. Maybe it has something to do with it, but regardless, if that has anything to do with it or not, good for them for doing it the smart thing to do it's a smart thing to do we'll come back with Zubamante, Miller and Conda. Des Moines Sports Station 1460-
0: 1460 KXNO Hawkeyes Cyclones Panthers and Bulldogs yeah we got that covered this is Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO Welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports
2: Station, 1460 KXNO. Coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, Tom Kakerd Hawkeye Report. Moving him from Friday to Wednesday. We'll get Tom in here. He was at the uh, media availability yesterday. And then uh, our buddy David Kaplan from Chicago ESPN 1000 NBC Sports Chicago joins us. About 1125 uh, as we will uh, we got a lot of ground to cover with Cappy and look forward to that. Centurion Stone of Iowa makes it possible. Zubin Mahente joins the program as we go around the world of sports with our buddy from ESPN, Zubin Mahente. Zubin, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. Zubin, how are you?
3: Pretty good, pretty good. NBA Finals, Trent and I were just talking, are in the rearview mirror, but the draft is up, free agency, and the Davis domino fell. So yep. A lot of great stuff happening in the NBA still, and it's amazing. I was going to text you this, Ken, but I might as well just say it on the air. Uh, sometimes I have a chance to listen to your podcast when I'm driving home uh, late in the evening, and it's amazing how many, you know, if I would have said to you just even two years ago, um, you'd be leading almost every other show. <laughs> yeah, with the NBA in your market, um, shows it's come a long way. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled to see it, but uh, it, it's penetrating markets. Where, and I understand the Nick Nurse was there, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's certainly penetrating markets that don't
2: even have a team, so it's pretty exciting to see. No, I agree with you, And I, I love the NBA playoffs. I say it every year. It's just there's there's just you, something has to give during the regular season with all the college basketball that we follow. And of course, I'm not going to give up one single one of the 82 Jets <laughs> games that if I if I don't have to. Hey, I want to let's NBA in a second. I just want to get this in, Zubin, before we run out of time or I forget to bring it up with you. And I want to go back to your time uh, in Denver, in the market in Denver. You were there. For for uh, a number of years, a good number of years. And, of course, uh, Denver Sports lost a giant uh, earlier uh, this past week when, when Pat Bolin um, you know, lost his fight against Alzheimer's in his last couple of years of his life. Sadly, it's just an awful, awful t- disease, as, as we know. But my question to you is, as I'm assuming you did, uh, you crossed paths with Pat Bolin at any point. Do you have any Bolin story? any one of the uh, opportunities you had to to meet with him or to interview him that stand out above the rest?
3: Yeah, um, this is one I told, I think, to somebody in Denver. I was on the air there earlier this week. And and his for people that don't really you know know much about him and outside of the Rocky Mountain region, inside the Rocky Mountain region, as you know, Ken, when you were living there, owning the team since the 80s, he's a huge deal. Um, but in and outside of that, people may know him from being the father of Sunday Night Football, as they call mm-hmm. it, or being on the broadcast committee. Um, but he was a guy that wanted to win at all costs And let his football people do their thing. Now, I do think when he's inducted posthumously into the Hall of Fame on August 4th, there is some symmetry to the fact that John Elway was the first Bronco to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And after Super Bowl 32, you know, Pat stood on the podium, stood on the stage there after the Super Bowl and said, this one for John. And it is interesting to note that Bolin, along with Ike Champ Bailey, will be the newest members uh, coming in this August. And after their last Super Bowl victory, uh, John stood on the podium and said, this one's for Pat. So I thought there was a nice mm-hmm. little symmetry there. But after the 2005 AFC Championship game, uh, they had lost to Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. And I don't know if people really, at the time, anybody really knew what Roethlisberger was all about. But that was a jarring defeat. That game was in Denver. Jake Plummer was the starting quarterback for the Broncos. and They certainly looked like they had the inside track to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, in that game, and I remember that they had lost. And maybe in hindsight, you understand the Steelers having won two under Ben, but it was a devastating loss. The next day, we're standing outside of the Broncos facility, and there's just a huge sign out there that says Denver Broncos Football Club, and that's where most TV people, you know, do all their reporting, and they stand in front of it when they're doing their day of game story or day after game story. And right in the afternoon, when we were wrapping up the uh, you know postmortem, the game is over, the season's over. Uh, He walks right by the side. And I'm standing there with our cameraman, Paul Boron. And uh, I said to him, uh, we exchanged glances. You know, we looked at each other. um, Because he's the guy that was in the office all the time. This was not like an absentee owner. He was in the gym working out with the guys all the time. They'd have football pools together with all the players. He was an Ironman triathlon, so he was always in the building working out. He walked by and I said, what's going on? And he said, unfortunately nothing. And he just kept walking. And it was one of those stories where everything he had had was pinned on this team trying to win the Super Bowl. Because remember at that time, you know they had had a couple with John, they had gotten close, and then they'd go on to a long state where they did not even make the playoffs until Peyton Manning arrived. He was a great owner, the Nuggets and Rockies, um, and Abs, their ownership has always undergone some sort of skepticism. Kronky owns the uh, Nuggets and the Abs, and there has been some question about why they couldn't keep Masai Ujiri in Denver. Maybe it was monetary. Maybe it was something else. Uh, there's always been thought that they care much more about the nuggets than the Ads And the Montforts, who have owned the Rockies for a long time, have been most criticized among all the teams and the city's owners. But you never heard that from Bowen. Anytime the team needed something, they got it. They needed a free agent, you got it. Um, everything was top of the line. Great new facility, whatever you need, we got it. So, he was just different because he was willing to do whatever the team needed, kind of stay out of the spotlight, and uh, always just wanted to win. I mean, every owner says that, and every fan base expects that, but you get it. And the, the best example I can give you is when he owned the team, they had seven losing seasons and seven Super Bowl appearances. And I would I would probably think there aren't too many franchises out there that have as many losing seasons in the history of the franchise since he bought the team. Uh, then they have Super Bowl appearances. When your ratio is one-to-one one on that, you know you've done a good job and lived a good life, and the team will go on. Uh, there's a Boys and Girls Club that he put out in Denver that he and you know, the Broncos have paid $5 million to keep the upkeep going. Um, so there's a lot of community involvement. Billy Thompson, Rod Smith, former Broncos, visited all the time, Dominique Foxworth. So uh, he lived a good life for sure, but his legacy will definitely live on. The only thing I would say, Ken, that might tarnish it a little bit, and this has nothing to do with Bolin. Is that because of his Alzheimer's? Uh, the team is right now in a three-person trust. Right. It's a big family. It's a big fight.
2: Right? Yep. And who's going
3: to own the team? And the and the front runner right now is a twenty. His twenty-nine-year-old daughter. He has seven children through two uh, marriages. A twenty-nine-year-old lady named Beth Boland who went to Notre Dame as a Duke MBA. She's the front runner, but she's only twenty-nine. At this point, she works on the business side of the team during the Super Bowl season. So I just hope it doesn't get ugly uh, in regards to succeeding who is a great man, but you always see these things with families, and sometimes they don't end as well or as harmoniously as you'd
1: like. Zubin, the NBA Finals, your beloved NBA finish, just like we all had it, with the Toronto Raptors Mm -hmm. holding the championship. Zubin, I know you do a ton of work there, the post-game press conference during the finals the last couple of years, and that's been very good. I know you've said in terms of numbers and what you guys have been able to pull from there. This NBA Finals, though, will be long-remembered, not just for the Raptors and what they did and Kawhi and everybody else involved there, but the injuries to Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, back-to-back games. Put a uh, bow on everything that you saw in the finals.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think deep down the league loves the fact that the Raptors won. I don't think they were rooting for the Raptors or the Warriors, but you want to say to your fan base that we can win a championship if we just have the right person in charge that's willing to be gutsy. And I think the Raptors did what the Rockets were hoping to do each of the last two years, which is make a huge splash in acquisition, grab a James Harden, grab a Chris Paul, or in their case, grab them both, try to get over the top. And that's something that I think any fan base wants. And obviously the Raptors were able to do that with Kawhi. So I think deep down this is good for the league because while Golden State would have been great four and five years, and you always need a black hat and a white hat. If there was enough people that are starting to sort of be envious and jealous of the Warriors that it could have withstood another season. But I think this is great because it shows a lot of commitment that if you're willing to do it, you can win. There's no reason Milwaukee Bucks fans, who for the longest time, I and mean, this is the first year since 2001, the Bucks got out of the first round. Right now, there's no reason to think that they can't win the NBA title if they just give you honest. A little bit of help, and I bet the Sixers believe they're close,
2: mm-hmm. and I bet
3: the Celtics believe that they're close, and I bet Portland believes if they had Nurkic, they may not have been swept by the Warriors, and the Warriors probably believe that don't bury us and throw dirt on us just yet, and I'm sure the Lakers, who now currently amazingly have the best one-two punch in the NBA, <laughs> feel like they're all the way back. So I just think the Raptors laid a great blueprint for so many other teams in the league to say if we can just swing for one move and have a deft front office. Uh, we could actually go for a championship, and there's nothing better for a fan base than that. This is so much more than at the beginning of the season. All right, what date are we going to crown the Warriors the champions? Yep. Which has kind of been the, the, the modus operandi the last couple of years. And the fact that that didn't happen. I think it's great for the
2: league. Couldn't agree with you more, Zubin. That doesn't have to do with the fact that I'm agreeing with you that it's a Canadian team won, and I think it's, it's 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 great for the league, no doubt about it, because it was seemingly a foregone conclusion from the opening night uh, of any particular season over the last handful of them. Hey, from the, the guys that you have on the set, the guys you work with, NBA personnel, do they feel, because the narrative has now changed with Kawhi, that there's no way he can leave a championship team. There's no way that he can turn his back on the guys that they just got over the hump with, that he's going to stay whether it be stay for one year or he signs you know, he takes all the money that uh, that is available to him. I'm not so sure anybody knows what Kawhi Leonard is thinking. What's the consensus at ESPN as to what he's going to do from the people you talk to?
3: Yeah, I think it's completely up in the air. I literally can't if you would have asked me about any other player in the league, I think I'd have a probably a more clear <laughs> vision. But this guy is just the antithesis of everyone else. While the league lives on Instagram, and Twitter and the walk-up shots when you walk into the arena with fashion and all that stuff. The league lives on that, and it's great because it pumps it out to a younger demographic that these other leagues that are looking to sort of compete with the NBA are trying to reel in. I mean, think about Major League Baseball. They can just reel in a fraction of the NBA younger fan base. Um, but I think he lives in a complete opposite, polar opposite world, and nobody knows. And I think that's what's actually going to make this free agency interesting. Um, you know, Durant, you know, you could convince yourself that maybe he's ready to go. Maybe he's ready to stay because of the way that it ended. Clay Thompson's father already came out and basically said Clay was going to stay. Um, the Kyrie Irving thing is interesting, but I think there's enough fan bases in both Brooklyn and Boston that would fear him joining their team, even though the Celtics are doing everything to keep him. I think there's enough Celtics fans that are like, you know what, this didn't really work. Let's just move on. And uh, the Nets are obviously in play now for a lot of teams, uh, surprisingly, including for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So I think there's a bunch of guys out there that look like they're linked to teams. But I don't think, and I think this is fascinating, I think at the beginning of the season, Ken, I think if you would have said, much like our Warriors conversation in the previous question, that the biggest free agency decision in the league would certainly revolve around Kevin Durant. And up until the second that he fell down in that game and ruptured his Achilles, I think the answer was Kevin Durant. But I think right now, undoubtedly, the most intriguing question as we get to June 30th at 6 p.m., his free agency in some ways has actually been moved up six hours, so if you can't wait for it, you can get an extra six hours on the front end. I think Kawhi's decision is more compelling than anyone else's, and that's not something I would have said at the beginning of the season when he was an injured player coming off a nine-game season, missed 22 games, no idea what you're going to get out of him the fact that he's the most intriguing player and he's given up the least amount of information. And he's going to affect two franchises. Kawhi affected the Spurs and the Raptors with this championship and put them on different planes. And no matter which team he chooses, whether it's going to be the Clippers or the Raptors, he's going to profoundly impact those two franchises, much like Kevin Durant is going to profoundly impact the Knicks and the Warriors. Those are the two choices that he makes. So I think it's amazing because I think the guy that everybody wants to know about is giving you the least amount of information. And there's a couple guys this year that whatever decision they make, they're going to rock the foundation of the league. Before, Durant did it. LeBron's done it. Those guys made the league stop. But I think this year we've got a couple different guys that could do it. And Kawhi's got some options here. And then there's also the small aspect of you don't know whether the Raptors GM Masai Ujiri is going to stay out there. For fans that may not be aware, the Washington Wizards are making a gigantic push and want him so bad that they would offer him a salary of, get this guy, $10 million mm. a year as a GM and possible equity ownership stake Ooh. in the Wizards. That's on the table for a GM. So is it Kawhi walking out the door and maybe the guy that brought Kawhi to town walking out the door with it? Very intriguing.
1: Tons there and one fan base, though not a local one here, that has to just be shaking their head is the New York Knicks. Now, a little over a month ago, they thought they were going to get the number one pick, even though... They only had a 14% chance of getting it. Alas, that doesn't happen. They'll be picking third. What some people believe is a two-player draft. Then, well, Kevin Durant will be coming here. He'll be timing out with, teaming up with Kyrie. KD, Achilles injury, who knows what he is going to be. And more than likely, Kyrie's not going to come with him. Suddenly, the Knicks, after decades of losing and frustration and angst, thought they had everything on the cusp, and here they are again. Back to the drawing board.
3: Here's my theory on that, Trent, and I think this sounds a little bit strange because in the eastern part of the country with the big bad media and the expectations, um, this may sound a little anesthetical, but I I really think this is the case. The Sixers are in a really tough market. I mean, their fans are super demanding in the city of Philadelphia. Obviously, they're Eagles first, but everybody knows the reputation of Philly fans. What I was always surprised by over the years was how well, those fans accepted the quote-unquote process under Sam Hinkie. On the surface, think about it, right? You've got a demanding East Coast, impatient fan base, and you're basically telling them, guys, our plan here is to not to win or to lose or whatever euphemism you want to use in an effort to build up draft picks and make sure everything goes well. But there's going to be a lot of losing until we get there. And surprisingly, i got to be honest with you, the Sixers fans were fine with it. And they were chanting, trust the process here in the last couple of years, tongue in cheek. But I think part of the reason this impatient fan base was willing to put up with a plan that said, we're going to lose, 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 even though it seems crazy on the surface, is because there was a plan, right? I think the Sixers said, this is our plan. You may not like it, you may like it, but we have a strategy, this is our plan. Part of the reason I think this is going so badly for New York, in addition to the Durant injury, is because for the better part of the last 20 years since Van Gundy quit as the head coach of the team almost two decades ago, is that there doesn't seem to be a plan. What's Isaiah Thomas's plan? He's out. What's Phil Jackson's plan? He's out. What's Scott Perry and Steve Mills? These are the current guys in charge. What's their plan? I think the Knicks have been dogged more than anything by the lack of having a transparent plan that they could tell their fans about. Again, the Sixers' plan on the surface, if you, I would have told you that you would have said wow, the Sixers fans are not going to buy Philly is not going to buy, you know, substantiated losing for years on end. But when they explained why they were going to do it, I think people kind of warmed to it and said, all right, let's trust these people. Let's see what happens. If the Knicks just had a plan with all of their losing the way the Sixers did, I think it would be more accepted. But there's been no transparent plan, and I think that's where this is all blown up. And obviously this Durant thing, if this was their plan, this is now blown up as well so I just think it's been a consistent message of what are we doing we're not able to tell this to our fans enunciate this to our fans and I think they paid the price here for the last two decades
2: so. uh, last thing Zubin uh, when does Bristol U uh, have session regarding the 2019 college football season I know you guys all get together and uh, go around some of the stories percolating and make, uh, make your plans uh, for how the mothership is going to handle college football this year have you guys got your marching orders yet
3: Yes, I just got the invitation the other day. Uh, let's take a look at it here. It was just sent out on June 9th. So I think it's going to be sometime here during the summer. Unfortunately, my email's not opening at the moment. But uh, they just sent it to us about 10 days ago to get ready. And uh, there's going to be a huge celebration, as you guys have mm-hmm. discussed here before, that this is the uh, 150th anniversary of college football. It's probably ESPN is tied in with college football more than any other other more than any other sport that we do uh, just from beginning to end so i think you're going to see a lot of great things down the line you're going to see a earlier than anticipated opener between florida and miami if i'm not mistaken ken they're playing on august 24th yes they are Zubin. (laughs) yeah and then i would also lastly just say clemson is going to be the first game on the brand new acc network which i think it'll be great because obviously with the season they're coming off of the 15 and 0 campaign i think they are playing george tech first game on the ACC network, which is actually going to be based up here. Uh, There'll be some operations in Charlotte, but we'll have a lot of our folks uh, from the ACC network up uh, this way. So the the countdown is on, and we'll probably have our two-day seminar. And uh, as it gets closer, I'll let you know what's going on. There are usually some rules discussions and things of that nature. It can get a little technical. When everybody comes
2: together, it's definitely a lot of fun. You know, it's close. Yeah, and I love the recap that you uh, you you share with our audience after it's all said and done. And we're we're all looking forward to announcing game days coming to Ames for the uh, Cyhawk showdown. <laughs> uh, Zubin, listen, great stuff. Uh, kidding about that last point, obviously, but not the not the first part. Uh, do love the recap conversation once school is out. Zubin, thank you as always. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, my friend. You got it, guys. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Zubamante, ESPN. Take a time out, come back, finish up the hour, busy second hour. Tom Kakert's gonna lead it off. David Kaplan is part of it. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station,
0: 1460. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night. You're on 1460 KXNO.
2: Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Tom Kakert here in about oh, less than 10 minutes or so. David Kaplan uh, joins the program as well. Look forward to catching up with uh, Cappy. As we do each and every week, he's brought to us by our friends at Centurion Stone. You know, the uh, the NBA draft tomorrow just opened a mock draft. Taylor Horton Tucker, the 60th and final pick Ooh. of this. And I don't think he's going to be around that long. I really don't. But here's my point on him. Can you recall a cyclone that was going to be drafted in an NBA draft that is getting less buzz around? it? Does it seem like that to you? It certainly yeah. seems like that to me. That you know, usually their uh, that the fan base is and understandably so. You got one of your guys going to the league, mm-hmm. but he's a one and doneer, and he doesn't seem to um,
1: be getting the love from the Cardinal and Gold uh, in the state, does he? Or my this team wasn't as lovable as some of those past teams either. Well, we've seen guys that have made one-year stops along the way, grad transfers, those type of mm-hmm. things. That became beloved, but I think just because this year, though, the Big Ten tournament was great. Big 12, yeah. Our Big 12 tournament. Yep. It was so frustrating. Mm-hmm. The, the year as a whole was a frustrating year. Camlard. Yes, yep. had that going mm-hmm. on. Wigginton, what was happening there. Because yep. of all of that, I think that maybe is the reason for some behind it. A little more difficult to wrap your arms around, guys, when you went through a year like that. Uh Maybe, maybe it just seems
2: like a one and done. Or you'd be, uh, you know, on Twitter, on message boards, or whatever, just um,
1: boasting, bragging about your guy, and it doesn't seem to be there. So, uh, Bama Bob sent us an article from the Oklahoman. I know you retweeted it. I think yesterday.
2: Some unbelievable amount of business that's done.
1: Glowing praises of Mm -hmm. the Iowa State basketball program, and no, it's not Carolina or Kentucky, Duke, but. Pretty dang good. Yeah, no no question about it. Look, Iowa State basketball, they had the one bad year
2: a couple of years ago. Everybody knew it was coming. It's mm-hmm. not like this snuck up on anybody, uh, that Prohm underachieved. There was no calls for his head. Oh, right. um uh, as there shouldn't have been. Um but look at what's it gonna be this year? You know, mm-hmm. in the
1: state, I'm talking about. In both both the needle movers. I don't think I was a tournament team. I don't either. You and I know Drake. I mean, their roster overhaul is pretty immense themselves. Mm-hmm. Even after last year's great run, and you got to win the MVC tournament to be right. a tournament team, pretty much anymore from the Missouri Valley. And for Iowa State, I think they're that's where we're pinning our hopes, Trent. They're the best bet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a great bet. I'm not sure it is either. <laughs> is it a coin flip? Would that be fair to say? Yes, no the proposition. Will Iowa State make the NCAA tournament? As we sit here on June the 18th, I don't think that's crazy. Minus 110 on each side, and you roll from there? There you go. 11 o'clock hour is next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports
2: Station, 1460 KXNO.